Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. 2024 is all about new beginnings. And to help you become the best version of yourself this year, Cerebral just launched their newest innovation designed to support you in reaching your mental health goals. It's called Cerebral Way, a personalized path to mental wellness that is designed specifically around your unique needs and experiences. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best in 2024. Sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends April 30th. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Secret Library Podcast. I'm your host, Caroline Donahue, and ever since I was little, I've been obsessed with books. So I started this show to interview authors and those behind the book so that we can learn not just why they mean something to us, but where they come from. Welcome to the Secret Library Podcast. I've decided I'm going to stop saying the number of the episode because a couple times I've been getting it wrong. So we're just going to say welcome to the Secret Library Podcast. Today I am talking to author Milda Harris, who is a Chicago girl who ran off to Hollywood to pursue a screenwriting dream. Um, and she did work in production, in television, on shows like Austin and Allie, Hannah Montana, and That's So Raven. She has a dog named Licorice, and since getting to Hollywood, she has acquired a husband and a pair of identical twins. So you may hear them in the background, which is pretty awesome. And even though she has all of this going on, she has written over eight books um, and has another one in process right now and is working on a cool serial project, which I'm going to make her talk about. But I wanted to bring Milda on, not only for nostalgia's sake, because Milda and I had a podcast called Literature Life, like in 2007, Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> it was so good. Um, but we were a little ahead of our time with podcasting, uh, so I definitely wanted to have Milda back on the show. But I also really wanted to talk about both young adult writing and self-publishing, something that people don't really know much about and how that works. So welcome to you, Milda. Thank you, Caroline, for having me on your podcast. Yes, of course. So I wanted to talk about, like, you've written a couple of series books and couple of different and then so did you always know you wanted to write for the young adult market I pretty much always wanted to write for young adults I just have liked young adult books since high school and I kept reading them in my 20s and 30s so writing them sort of felt natural just because I still like them I mean I read other books too I sort of read everything but I felt like young adult really appealed to me so when I started to uh, write these books young adult is what I did and I do have some slightly older new adults, uh, early 20s as well, but young adults is my focus. So what is it that, I, I like them too, so I, I enjoy that arena, but what in particular appealed to you? Like, did you feel you could write in a different way writing for that audience than for other audiences? I don't know. I guess I have a little bit of nostalgia for that age, so it's sort of like reliving, I don't know, your teenagers, which are sort of awful and awkward, but yet wonderful and fun at the same time, sort of a mixture. And I wanted to convey that. I just like that age. I think it's fun to write about. It's because so much happens, and yet it's such a short period of time. Yeah, it doesn't so. feel like it at the time, but then... No, it feels like 
ages for like the four years of high school is like your entire life and even looking back at it feels that long but it really isn't yeah and you watch kids like i have a well i she will be my stepdaughter as of this fall but for all intents and purposes she's my stepdaughter who's yeah, we watched her go through her senior year of high school, and it felt like it lasted for five minutes. Yeah. And now she's done a year of college, and we're like, what? It's going to be over in, like, two days, and it felt so long. Yeah, no, it definitely it definitely does. So it's just, I just thought it was a fun age to think about, and that's why I wanted to write it. Awesome. And then you've gotten into series, series writing as well. Yeah, I have a mystery series currently, a few of them, and then I'm going to write a serial, which we had talked about previously. Yeah, I'm excited about that. Well, I just love the fact that, like, I think in some ways, for me, thinking about being a writer, I'm sure that there's both challenges and advantages to writing a series where you return to the same characters. Does it make it, like, how does it make it easier to write, and how does it make it harder? Well, it's easier to write because you sort of get into a groove on the character, so, like, the main characters just keep reappearing. You don't have to create them as much. I mean, you might add little details as you go, but the basis is always there, so you don't have to recreate that. The hard thing is, um, and I'm trying to really work at this now, is to remember what the details I created were (laughs) and to keep them straight because I think on my funeral crashing series, I think I'm about to be on book five. I've written a lot about that character, like the main character, Kate. So I sort of have to remember what the details were just so I don't goof them up because that would drive me crazy if I mess it up and like one of the people reading it catches me. Like she doesn't like red jelly beans. She hates them. She said so in book three. On yeah, page yeah. seven. Exactly. <laughs> and people, some people know that sort of stuff. So I'm trying to be really, I've started to make binder Bibles for myself and oh, like wow. just write it out. I was going to do it on the computer, but I couldn't find anything that appealed to me. Like I wanted to be able to flip through and I feel like the fine search wouldn't work quite well enough. So I decided to do it with paper. So how but do yeah. you organize them? I have tabs. And what are the categories? This is such like, a good idea. So I do an outline of each book, uh-huh. and then I do each character anytime. And I'm just started doing this, so like I've had to go back and reread, which usually I do right before I write anyway. But uh, and I've been writing down all the details of the character. So if if it's something very specific, like Kate likes peanut butter banana milkshakes, so that would be something that I would write under her topic and I write which book so that if I did have to go back and read exactly what I said I could kind of know where it was oh my god yeah that's so I that is not what I would have thought of as the challenge but it makes perfect sense yeah no I mean it drives me crazy because otherwise uh I'll, at least for my funeral crashing books each novel is a complete series like a complete book with the only thing that spans the series is the relationship between the characters which to me is pretty easy to write because you sort of remember where they stand. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's remembering all the details that you create as you go along. So, I mean, I could definitely see how like all these people writing TV series or whatever get forget details and get them wrong just because there's so much to remember once you put it up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you think about particularly kids that age where – they do have really particular tastes and they always wear their purple sneakers or like, and I'd be like, what color were those damn sneakers that they wear all the time? Well, and you forget, especially if you start, if you like, I don't always write the series continuously. So I'll stop and then start another project. So then you go, wait, wait, did she like this or did she like that? I can't remember. Wait, which, you know, so yeah, so I have to write it down. 
That's very smart. So how many binders do you have now? Um, I currently have two, one for my funeral crashing mysteries and one for my uh, celebrity cupcakes mysteries. So, and I've started one for my new, for the serial project as well, just because I'm writing that fast. So I wanted to be able to look up any details I had to quickly. Right. So, so the, the funeral crashing and the celebrity cupcakes are individual novels, but the serial project is something else entirely. So I want to hear about that. The serial project. Well, basically, uh, when Hillary Clinton accepted the nomination for president, well, she declared she was. We'll see when the convention happens. I thought it would be interesting to write a novel set in the young adult world about student council elections, just because it's an election year. And I decided that the easiest way to do it would be to write a serial, because that would require me to write about, I don't know, 5,000 plus words a week. And that's somewhat doable. And you can still have a life. Uh, and so basically, I will be writing a chapter a week until the election. Amazing. Yeah. And then will you release the whole thing as a book? Yes. Um, I will release them as I go, but then I will start to bundle them as I get like larger lengths, like okay. when I can combine them. They're going to be on Kindle Unlimited so that all those people can read them for free. Um, but it's much cheaper if you bundle them just because Amazon doesn't really have a way to do a serial. You can't just purchase a book and then keep uploading. They, they don't do that right now. So interesting. That is so cool. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people will choke at the thought of 5,000 words a week is perfectly doable, but how long does it take you to write 5,000 words? Like, what is your schedule like, and how do you fit all of this writing in? I, I don't know if you can hear. I can hear a little bit of toddler action in the background, so you are not, you know, unoccupied during your during your time. No, um, and truthfully, I would work better on a set schedule, but uh, with the toddlers, uh, the schedule changes every day, and it drives me crazy, so I have to write around it. Um, my husband helps me out a lot. Uh, so that I can go to Starbucks and work without toddlers around, which helps immensely. Because if, if I'm at home, they kind of crawl all over me. So, <laughs> um, But pretty much I write when I have time, and I try to write every day at least a little bit. Uh, after they go to bed, which is at around 7.30, 8 o'clock, I can get a little bit of writing done. Although the thing about that is it's hard for me to write at night. <laughs> so I write, I'm a much better writer and focuser in the morning. But uh, so regardless, even if I don't have time during the day, I could always write at night. Uh, To write 5,000 words would usually take me at least a few days. It really depends on how well the plot is coming along, because if you get stuck, it can be very hard to push past it. But I think the thing is with the serial, it'll be a lot like writing a NaNoWriMo novel. Mm -hmm. You have to keep it interesting. So worst case, hopefully I will think of something that could go awfully wrong and just put it in. Right. Just because you have to keep it interesting and just to keep the pace moving. Exactly. Yes, this is another thing that Milda introduced me to when we first, I mean, we just met, I think. And yeah, she like mentioned or something. Yeah, I mean, it was like, I think I found out about it. You told me about it like three days before it was starting. And for those of you who don't know NaNoWriMo, it's National Novel Writing Month, which is November. I think they do another one. Yeah, it's uh, Camp Nano is in July, actually. Oh, right. It's starting in a few days. So from the recording point, um, we may be a couple weeks into it by the time this airs. But um, 
we, yeah, so it is basically a goal to write 50,000 words in the month of November. And that breaks down to 1,667 words a day if you're on schedule. Um, hard to stay on schedule. <laughs> it's really hard to stay on schedule. And the ideal thing is to get ahead at the beginning so that you're kind of, when you're really fired up about it and then you get to like week two or three when you feel like your plot is terrible, at least I did, um, there's at least enough word count that you can kind of torture yourself a little bit and didn't figure have, it out. Didn't you have your brother giving you weird ideas to put oh, into it? Yeah. First my one? very first time I ever did it, I was my goal was not to write anything good, which was a good thing because there was no way. It, it ended up being so terrible. Um, but I just wanted to see if I could write 50,000 words. So every day I would call my brother and I would say, all right, what do you got? And he would just come up with some weird plot point and I would have to put it in. Like one was a hovercraft chase you know, and it didn't matter if it had anything to do with the story. I just put it in. Um, so that, you know, it was an odd approach, but it was more just to get the words down. Um, and so I guess, yeah, 1,600 words a day is a lot. Um, but you're doing, I guess, roughly half that? Yeah. Just a, little, a little under a, half. A little under half. I mean, I say 5,000 words. I'm going for at least 5,000. So if it ends up being more, uh -huh. just because the chapter needs it, I'm not going to limit it to that. Um, although I'm hoping to cap it 10,000 with it would be the max just because I'm going to have to keep going with right. it. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, so that's why I said it's totally doable to do 5,000. It's just that I have a lot of other time commitments with the toddlers. Yes. So. And are you doing this every single day or every weekday? What do you mean? How often are you releasing the chapters? Is it weekly? Uh, no, it's weekly. It's okay. on Tuesdays. Oh, good. Okay, got it. So with the final one being on Election, election Day. Election Tuesday. Very smart. Yeah. Clever. So. so I know I saw your post on your site. We'll have uh, Melda's site and a link to this in the show notes. But um, yeah, I was like, oh, good. She put it up. Yes, the first one's up. Uh, it's actually going to go free, which it's not quite yet. Uh, but I can tell you how to do that if you're interested in self-publishing. Oh, no. we got to um, get into that, too. Uh, but, uh, and that's to get more readers. Uh, just because, especially with a serial, I don't expect people to pay, I think it would be at least 20 episodes. I don't, I don't expect people to pay $20 for a book. So the first one will definitely go free. And then hopefully a lot of people read it in Kindle Unlimited or when I bundle them mm -hmm. later on. So. Okay, so let's talk about self-publishing because I think, as I've said before, like most people think, okay, there's somebody out there with a lot of coffee in a, like a cabin somewhere and they bang out a manuscript and then they put the book into a tube and it comes out the other end and it's a book. And in one, maybe the tube in one direction goes to a publishing house and you, you know, in the other direction it goes self-published and how do you decide which way you want to go and then how do you actually get the book out? as a self-published book? Okay. Small, uh, small questions. <laughs> yes, small questions. Well, the reason I decided to go the self-publishing route is because I had sent a lot of query letters and then pretty much gotten no positive responses. So when I saw, and a lot of people really got inspired by this person, uh, Amanda Hawking made about a million dollars in self-publishing young adult books. Mm. Oh, now it's a long time ago probably, but I thought wow, you know, self-publishing has changed with e-books because you don't have to buy, like, 50,000 books to keep in your garage until you sell them to somebody. Oh God, yeah. Now it's all digital, and you don't pay... The only things you pay for are the cover, and then you have to create your book, 
and you can pay for marketing and stuff like that, but you don't actually have to pay for the physical copy anymore unless you want to, which is totally fine too. But uh, so I thought, you know what? I have these books sitting on my computer. Why not just put them out there? And some people will do get publishing deals out of it because they get very popular and then publishers come looking for them, uh, agents as well. Uh, but regardless, I just sort of thought, you know, I just don't, I'd rather take control of it because it's, yeah. I can do whatever I want. And you actually make a decent amount per book if you can actually sell them. Nice. Yeah. Cause is your, is your payout better as a self-published author than as a press published author? Don't you get it's a higher small. percentage of the sales? I believe you do. Um, I don't, I've heard different things about small presses uh, and that some authors that I've heard on other podcasts say that it's a little bit better to be self-published because you don't have to, like you're not committed to them and then, and you do get sort of paid less and you're doing the same thing kind of right. and they don't necessarily promote you. So it's like, well, which way is the best way to go? Uh, I personally like self-publishing. I wouldn't, if a big publishing house took my books, great, but I wouldn't go with a small publisher. So mm. uh, publishing house. Got it. So how do you, like, how does the process work? Like what's, I want, I want nerd, I want nerd facts. Like what software do you use to write in? Like what's the, what's the geeky stuff that you use? I actually use Word. Uh, I know a lot of people like Scrivener as well, um, which I do own it, but I haven't, uh, I just got a new computer, uh, so I haven't worked with much with it because I was just able to upload it to my computer. But uh, I like Word, I use Word, and then to upload it to Amazon or the other publishers, I actually just started to use a program called Vellum. Mm, Vellum, like, like the kind of paper? It's, I don't know how you spell that. It's V-E-L-L-U-M. Yeah, the same? same spelling. Okay. Um, and before that, I was using the meat grinder on Smashwords, uh-huh. which basically what you have to do is format your Word document exactly how they tell you. So you follow this little book that they have there, and you go through step-by-step step and format your Word document, and then you put it into their system, and it grinds out an EPUB, a MOBI, a PDF, and a bunch of other formats. Uh but I just tried Vellum. It is significantly easier because it just pops up on your screen and then you can fix it if it's not right. Oh, and that's great. it. I don't have to go through weird corrections. So I, so far, I think it's fantastic. We'll see as I go, but so far it's great. So how long does it take? So you just, you write your, your document in Word and then mm -hmm. you save it and then you, you uploaded it to Vellum or how does it work? You uh, drag and drop into Vellum, mm -hmm. and then it shows up looking like a Kindle screen mm -hmm. on one side, and then your document on the other. And oh, you can cool. change, you can change the headings, like you can change the chapter headings if they're wrong or whatever you need to do. You can change the front matter, the back matter, and uh, what I like about it too, unlike the Meat Grinder from Smashwords, is that you can put uh, all the book links. Let's say at the end you have buy book two. You can put all the book links from all the retailers so that when you put it into that format for that retailer, it will have the correct link. And you don't oh, have to manually do that, which is a big deal. That sounds so they, much easier. It saves lots of time. Although you do have to pay for the program. 
So, you know, but uh, for me, time is well worth spending a little money. Yeah. How much is the program? Uh, well, you have a choice. You can uh, pay per book. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like 20 something dollars per book. Or I just bought the Unlimited, which is $200. But I'm publishing a lot. So for me, it was worth it. Oh, no, that doesn't sound that doesn't sound bad at all. And it sounds like it makes a huge difference in terms of how quickly you can get your books up on the outlets. Exactly. And part of, in my opinion, part of the way to sell well as an indie author is that you need a lot of content. So you should plan on putting out a lot of books. So if you're a really big writer and you have a lot to say, self-publishing is a good way to channel those. Yes, for sure. For sure. So- Especially if you can write quickly. How often do you put a book out? Lately, it's been a lot uh, longer in between because I'm busy. But uh, I hope to put it out at least three books a year. But I'm trying to, which is part of the reason I wanted to do this serial, is I wanted to up my writing uh, word count just because it's so important as an indie author to have new books coming out all the time so you don't lose your audience. Just because there's so much content out there that they can choose otherwise and they'll forget about you. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, because in talking to um, people who've worked with publishing houses, um, it can be as long as like two years between, you know, when you write one book and when you get it out. And that's if you have a book deal and it just takes a long time to get your material out versus you could put something out. It sounds like like as often as you write it and you feel ready. Yeah, some people put a book few books out a month. I mean, I can't write that fast. There's people who write like 8,000 words a day and stuff and I can't do that. That just, to me, if I wrote 8,000 words a day, every day, it would just be crap. Probably (laughs) it would be hovercraft chases. And (laughs) what are you, what are you saying about hovercraft chases? (laughs) You don't think hovercraft chases are legit. (laughs) Was that in the art, art healing novel or what was, what was the premise? No, this was in the, this one really didn't have a premise. I mean, to be honest, I can't even believe I'm talking about this. It (laughs) It was so bad. We were going to do an audiobook version where my brother was going to read it out loud for the audiobook version. And he would just, if he lost it and just started laughing, we would just leave it in. But I couldn't go through with it because I was so embarrassed. It was, <laughs> it was, it was actually sort of a young adult book, to be honest. Okay. Um, the protagonist was a high school student and she was, I think she was studying history and so she had, she would go to sleep at night and she would have these crazy dreams where she was interacting with um, kings and queens of Europe. Apparently I was like ahead of the Game of Thrones thing, but, but I, I sort of ran out of gas on that plot line. Like there wasn't really a lot I could go with it. So she um, ended up running away with the circus at a certain point. Fun. Yeah, I was like every cliche you could possibly think of was in this book. Plus a hovercraft chase. That sounds fun. I don't you, even you remember what it was called. I don't even think I have it anymore because it was oh, like no. it was like ten years ago or eleven years ago, and so it was on that computer. I don't even think I have that computer anymore. Ah, uh, so sad. It's lost forever. I know. I was like, I kind of maybe wanted it to be lost forever. <laughs> I didn't want it to come back and haunt me. Um, but yeah, I I should do something else. We'll see. We'll see. It's too fun talking to people right now with this show, but I'll let other people write the books for me and then I will read them. Makes sense. So which, um, which outlets do you put your books on? Like what, what do you find? Like, what are your 
what's your, you know, like podcasting, it's like SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, like what are the main outlets for eBooks? Well, Amazon, of course, that's the biggest. Um, and then I use, I upload directly to Barnes and Noble usually. Um, and then iTunes, I haven't dire directly uploaded to them, although I'm about to start with this new Vellum program just because it does create the file for me. Oh, for the iBooks? Uh, yeah, the for iBooks. Mm -hmm. um, but I use Smashwords to distribute to a lot of those. And there's a whole bunch of other little tiny ones like Oyster and Scribd and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think they distribute to libraries as well. So I, I use Smashwords for a lot of that just because, again, as you start to upload to all these places, it takes more time. Exactly. You have to spend the time doing that. But I think the main ones, the most important ones are Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and probably Kobo. Although I haven't tried to upload directly to Kobo either. But now, again, with this program, I might try just because it'll be a little bit easier to fix if I need to fix something. Mm -hmm. Versus a Smashwords file that might be, it's, you just can't change it, change it as easily. So Smashwords is a free program or a less expensive program? Well, Smashwords is free. It's a, um, they are a, I forget what they call it, but they distribute to a whole bunch of people. Like they're a distributor, okay. basically. Got it. But, so they take a cut of your royalty. Like oh. they usually get an extra like 5%. Um, but again, I don't have to go to all these different places and put them up and they also offer you um you can do pre-order for up to a year before the book is out oh cool so, and you might be able to do that with some of these as well on your own but some of them again you won't be able to only because of the deal with smashwords they let you do it and there's another one called drafted digital that i've tried as well and that one seems pretty good too i hear a lot of people raving about that but since i've been with smashwords i've stayed with them because you're used to it yeah Interesting. So. And so does Vellum distribute also, or it just creates the files? No, Vellum just creates the files. So I could do it for free, free on Smashwords. It just takes a while, and you have to kind of keep uploading, and you get errors and things like that. It's kind of a pain. Um, so, yeah, Vellum just creates the files. Smashwords is a distributor. And they actually, you can buy my books on their site itself as well. So could you use Vellum to create a file and then upload it to Smashwords and have them distribute? Yes. And I, since I just got Vellum, I was about to try that because I need to upload the first serial to Smashwords because I'm just going to have, since it's going to go free, I'm just going to distribute it everywhere free through them because it doesn't matter as far as the royalty share. Um, so I will see how that works. I've heard that it's pretty might change the formatting a little, like it won't be as fancy. It's more of a basic file, but that's totally fine with me that it's a basic file. So any of the, like I said, any of the important ones I can upload directly. So, okay. So if you do it free through, through Smashwords, they won't put the bells and whistles in. Exactly. They're not going like, to get a cut. Got it. So, so. what is the, um, the whole philosophy around, it seems like there's a whole philosophy around ebook pricing and how okay. you structure that. Like, what's your, what's your manifesto or your thought process on how, you, how you'd make that work? Uh, well, for, for indies, uh, I would say that I usually try, if it's going to be a series, eventually I try to make that first book free because that lead-in, if somebody gets the first book for free, they're usually more likely to keep going if they're interested. 
Um, you can also do price promotions and put it to free for a limited time. Uh, otherwise, I try to do 99 cents or 2.99 for a first book, and then subsequent, if it's a series, subsequent books get a little bit pricier. Um, I think my latest funeral crashing book is going to be about 5.99, and that seems to be five or 6.99 seems to be about what people price their books as. Although I've seen you can price it more than that if you want. So, but I think sort of you're trying to get people at a cheaper price because mm -hmm. most uh, most people don't know the difference, and you really can't tell between an indie author and then just a regular author necessarily if the prices are the same or similar. True. Interesting. So you, you're you're like a drug dealer. You're gonna hook them in, get them get them really good and into into your characters, and then keep going with the, the series. So they'll keep going. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and then, you know, too, some people just publish on Amazon and use their Kindle Unlimited program. Mm -hmm. So then they can't publish anywhere else. I only have a couple of, like, the serial will be in that eventually for at least probably three or four months just because Amazon promotes that program more than their other ones just because you're exclusive to Amazon. So, Oh, so if you agree to be a Kindle Unlimited author, if you submit a book for that, you can't have it on any other platform. As an ebook, as, as a it. print book, you can, but okay. uh, but like you couldn't distribute your ebook at Barnes and Noble or iTunes or Kobo at all. Got it. So you couldn't sell it because you'd have to sell it somewhere else. Do other people have free book options like Barnes and Noble and them, or are they all paid? Um, what do you mean? Like if. Because the Kindle Unlimited, you have to pay for oh. that subscription service, and then you're not yeah. paying for the book. So it seems yeah. like, I guess Oyster would be a subscription service. Yeah, but they don't make you be exclusive to them, as far as I right. know. So. Got it. And, but you would get the promotion from the Kindle Unlimited. Yes, and it seems to be that you rank higher, like for reads and things like that, just because they tend to promote you more. Got it. And can, you can be on there for a period of time, and then you can take the title off, sure. or is it per title? Your t that title is committed to that. It's, I think format. it's committed for for three months. Okay. And then you re up, so you oh, can well, do it for three months and then drop out. Which is, I mean, three months is nothing. So yeah. you can be like, nah, I want to distribute wide. But some people make their whole careers and just on Amazon. And 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 that is, I mean, that is where most of my money comes from is Amazon. But I like the idea of being wide, just because you never know. Amazon, Amazon goes defunct or it kicks you off, which has happened to some authors for whatever reason. You want, I still think you want to sort of be wide, at least some of your books. Yeah, absolutely. And have other options and who knows how they're finding you. So yeah, what do you, exactly. so what do you do in terms of having an online presence or like attracting people to come in and read, you know, to, how do people find you, I guess? Well, I mean, I have all this you know, social media things, all the Facebook, Twitter, and my website. Um, but I think the biggest way people find me probably is, well, I also do have a pretty big following on Wattpad. Have you heard of Wattpad? Mm -mm. Um, a lot of teenagers are on it. Uh, the only problem with Wattpad, Wattpad is sort of like YouTube for books, except oh. it's just people, random people writing books and uploading them for free. Um, they need to do a little bit more work on making it worth it for their authors, kind of. But um, I have, like, 10,000 followers or something wow. on Wattpad. But the problem I've had with Wattpad is how do you translate that to people buying books because they're used, so used to getting them for free. Right. But all my freebies go up there. Um, 
but the other thing I do is a lot of uh, price promotions, and there's a whole bunch of different ones. Have you heard of BookBub? I've heard of BookBub and like Fussy Librarian. Fussy and... Librarian, uh, eBook Soda. There's a whole bunch. There's a whole ton of them. Um, and you contact them and do a price promotion. So let's say my, it, well, all of my perma-free books, sometimes I will advertise on those sites because suddenly you'll have a huge spike because those people had never seen your book before and now they see it. So they click and they get it for free. Right. Um, and then you hope that X amount will read it and kind of move on. Um, but then you can also do stuff like have, um, so your first book is free, but then you have like six books in your series. So you price the second one at 99 cents. So then you hope to get a one-two punch, and then people keep reading as well. Right. So there's all sorts of different things you can do like that with those lists. Um, but those are really effective, especially if you get a book bub. If you get a book bub, it's like hitting a gold mine. <laughs> so, but the but you actually don't want a book bub unless you have something else to sell because that right. original book won't get you the money. It's the subsequent sales that will really help you. Right, because they'll keep going and have more that they want to get. Yeah, so if you have, like, the first in the series go free, that's when you want to – if you can get a book bub, they're so hard to get. Really? Yeah. Um, I did get one in my early days, and I didn't know what it meant. <laughs> so I think I only had a few books out, but I, even still, I saw a huge jump. It was, like – I think it was, like, 60,000 free downloads in the first day of the book bub. It was – I've never seen anything like that. So did so. you have a big sales jump as a result? Yes, yeah. you had a couple um, others because I think I had a couple of books out in that series. Um, I did. I saw I, like it like quadrupled my earnings. So that's it's awesome. definitely worth it for that one. But the other ones are smaller. But you can sort of lump them together, and that's how you would do a price promotion. You would do like four or five or six or ten ads in a day, and you'd have a couple maybe in a row so that you get the largest spike you can because then that raises your visibility on the on each platform. In the ranking. Did you learn all of this by trial and error? Like, how did you learn all of this? There's a big community of indie authors, and they're actually pretty friendly. Uh, you can go on K-Boards and read a lot about these. Uh-huh. Um, and just even on, like, Facebook, there's a lot of indie author uh, groups and stuff like that. Um, and then, I mean, this is something I haven't done yet, although I've been looking into it. A lot of people do Facebook ads and Instagram ads for books. Uh, and a lot of those revolve around people giving away, uh, maybe a, a book that isn't free for free for joining their mailing list. And then they use their own mailing list to get a lot of these people on board with buying their books and right. for writing reviews and stuff. So it's almost so. like a collaboration. Like I'm going to expose my book to your audience who hasn't seen my stuff before. Yeah. Got it. So. So, but I'm, I'm just sort of working on that. Like, it's funny because you think, oh, the writing takes so much time, but the marketing actually takes a lot of time too. And it's surprising how much time it can actually take if you, if that's what you're really going to focus on. Yeah. It sounds, I, I mean, not that you don't have anything else to do right now, but have you yeah. thought of doing an e-course on, on self-publishing? I just feel like people would really go for it. This is totally off podcast topic, but I'm just putting it out there. Well, there's just so, there's so many out there and I mean, there's people way more successful than me that you talk to them and you're like, but how did you do that? How did you, and I think some of it is just a little bit of luck, but a lot of it I think is perseverance and just putting out a lot of content. So who are you most inspired by sort of in that world? Like who are your kind of like celebrity crushes in the, well, in definitely your arena? Like, 
definitely, like I said, Amanda Hawking uh-huh. um, is pretty great. Uh, there's a couple of other ones that I really thought were cool, too. Hold on, I'm blinking. Um, Abby Glein uh-huh. is great. Um, let's see. Uh, I have this person's book on my shelf, but I'm blanking on her name. And, of course, I'm not going to find it. Um, there's, oh, the uh, the hashtag series. Mm. Cam- Cambria Herbert, I think is her name. I think, yeah. Um, I don't know. There's there's a whole bunch of them. That, and I've actually worked with some people on collaborations. That I find them pretty interesting. Like, I just find the way they're doing things very interesting. Like, Heather Hildebrand. Um trying to think who else uh i don't know it just seems like the community is really friendly nice so i don't know that's really interesting i mean so you'll collaborate with another author uh basically i've been a part of some bundles with other authors one bundle was just uh the first few chapters of your free book so it's just a one big bundle and then the other one was a bunch of short stories that was only up for about I think like eight or nine months. Um, and I mean, you didn't get paid that much, but the point was to have crossover with all these other authors and maybe get some traffic from it. That's so interesting because you don't see, at least I don't hear about from sort of traditional publishing house authors. It's all about like the book coming out. It takes forever. It takes really, you know, and they have to go through the whole editing thing and then they go on the book tour and the whole, and there are a lot of web promos, like pre-order the book and you get these deals, but it, it just feels like you do it more in isolation and not with as much community. I guess it's not as much community of other authors as it sounds like there are with self-publishing. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, and you do have to look for these people and sort of become involved, but you learn a lot from seeing what other people are doing. And a lot of a lot of them share sort of how things are going for them, what they're doing. And you, plus then you also get to see how do they promote their book? What do they do? And you learn from that. Um, oh, speaking of promotion, you can also do blog tours. There's a lot of companies that will sign up, sign you up to have you featured on their blog. You can write guest posts or answer questions. Oh, things, interesting. Things like that. So and I think those usually run about 100 bucks, But I've seen mixed results from that. I think it gets you visibility, but I'm not sure that those people buy your book. Mm. Yeah, I think that's sort of where it goes. It's like you can get lots of attention, but does it translate into sales? And how long do you think it will take people, like if somebody was to start, they had some content and they kind of started putting stuff out now, how long do you think it would take them if they really like applied a lot of this sort of work to see any like meaningful income i mean i know in some ways it's a crapshoot but it's definitely a crapshoot um and i think you could see income in like it depends on really how many books you're going to put out i think you can see income in a year but then i know of somebody who uh made about is making i think like thirty thousand a month now and she just started in december what i don't know how she did it but so how many books does she have I think now she has, so she started in December. I think now she has four, but she's part, she's also partnering with, uh, like another established writer on another series. So she's really writing fast. That's why I say if you can write fast and you just get the traction going. So she didn't even have four books she'd already written. She just started writing them in December and has already written four books in six months. 
Yep. That's crazy. She's a book every other month, I think. And she's making 30000 a month on four books? That's crazy. Yep. Wow. So at least that's what she says. And I know her rankings are really high. So she's making, even if she's not making that, she's making good money for nice. sure. Amazing. Well, you heard it here. It is possible. <laughs> the dream. The dream is possible. And you're still doing it. And you've been doing it for a number of years now. Yes. And it's been a lot of trial and error. And uh, I think it, uh, it also, like I said, it, I haven't been publishing as regularly as that, like every other month. Or, and I think she's maybe been doing some marketing stuff that I wasn't doing. Mm. But again, it's a learning process and she has a lot more time than I do. <laughs> right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. But you were able to quit your day job. Yes. Um, although part of that, again, is also who wants to pay for daycare for toddler twins. <laughs> that costs more than somebody's salary anyway. Um, I'm making an okay amount. I'm not, like, making tons of money. But, I, like I said, I, that's why I'm trying to ramp up my productivity to try and make even more money. Because I see all these people... We, uh, I meet up with this group once a month now, and uh, some of them are making like even that thirty thousand. They're making like eight or nine thousand a month. I'd like to be doing that. That, that would be fantastic. Great. So, you're gonna get there. I can feel. Oh no, it. no, definitely, definitely. And like I said, I think it's just putting more books out there, getting more content, and that's really the most important. Even, even as far as marketing, like you still need to have the books. Yes. So. And how do you stay? I mean, I, I think the thing is, is like. You can look at all of this kind of almost like the math business side of it, but then there's the part of like the creative side, which is, you know, finding something that you love writing about that often. I mean, I think that would be the challenge for me, having done NaNoWriMo five times and yet to have anything that I feel like anyone should be allowed to see for any reason. Um, I'm, I'm curious about like, how do you stay motivated and excited about your topic? Um, I think that's why I probably jump around a little bit is because after, you know, I read a, like a funeral crashing mystery, I'm sort of like, oh, I'm done with this for a little while. And so then I jump onto something else. Uh, although the characters, I still like them and I want to get back to them. It just, sometimes I burn out on it and I need to just do something different, but I'm usually always excited about my projects. It's usually somewhere in the middle of the book where I go, oh God, this is awful. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I can't, how am I going to get to the ending? It's still so far away. <laughs> Um, and I have that crisis, but, uh, I think, yeah, I just, I don't have a problem just being like, you know what? I usually, I, by the time I'm done with it, I think, okay, I can make this good. And then what is your editing process? I have hired an editor before. I, so my, I do on some of my books, hire an editor, but on some of them, I don't, uh, it sort of has to, as an indie, you sort of have to look at it as how much you want to invest into the beginning of the book if you're not making any money at first. Mm -hmm. um, so that's sort of a consideration. Uh, but my process currently is, if I'm not using an editor, um, I write it. I send it to actually my cousin, and she writes me story notes, and she'll write, like, basic editing notes. Mm -hmm. And then I get it back. I fix it. Sometimes she'll read it again. Sometimes I'll have somebody else read it again. Mm -hmm. And then I revise it again. So um, that's what I usually do. And then sometimes instead of that second read by her or somebody I know, it'll be 
a read by an editor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I haven't found an editor that I think is fantastic yet, so that might be part of it as well. Um, so again, I, when I was first starting, I didn't use it an editor at all, just because it was just like, well, I'm not making any money, so I'm just going to keep paying somebody. Yeah. And and it's and it can be expensive when you start to look at again. You have to do some of the marketing stuff, and if you you, you do want to make something at it, or you at least want to try to break even before exactly. Too long. Yeah, exactly. So I think if if you know somebody or, you know, try somebody out that's like a decent price, but then some of these things are starting to get exorbitant just because people know that there's a market for it. Yeah. So people are specializing in ebook editing. Yeah. I think yeah, I think it's just it's amazing how much of a system there is and how much you can do. And there is something really empowering of thinking like nobody at this point in time, nobody can tell you you can't publish your book. Exactly. Nobody can say, oh, this is a horrible idea. Don't publish it. Whatever it's about, you can decide to do it. So, I mean, like, I have a series called The Funeral Crashing Mysteries. Nobody is going to publish that, probably. <laughs> like, what's it about? <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's for teenagers. Like, of course they're going to want to read that. Yeah, no, of course. But, you know, you still get, wait, what? <laughs> so. There's plenty of ideas that the conventional world does not understand that end up being wildly successful. So no, that's, that's the thing. You never know what's really successful. But I think, you know, traditional publishing, they probably are going with trends. So that if right. your book isn't in the trend, you may have a harder time getting it published. Plus, you're going to have to wait two years to see the thing on the exactly. shelf. So you have and to even move then, much more generally. Like, even then, it seems like you still have to promote your own stuff pretty well anyway. Yeah, exactly. If you're not Dan Brown, you know, you're not getting the main budget of everybody's promotional and everybody's promotional efforts and all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, I don't know. I think this sounds like an excellent way to go. Yeah, no, and that, that was my thought is like, you know what, what do I have to lose? They're just sitting on my computer. I might as well, even if I get 100 readers, and I've gotten way more than that now, so. Awesome. Great. I love it. Well, I'm so glad, and I feel like I understand the system a little bit more now, and I hope other people will, too. And we'll we'll have to have you back again to hear about how the serial goes and what the result was and, and what that experience was like, because I'm really curious to see, you know, how that unfolds. Yeah, me too. I'm, uh, I'm excited about it and terrified at the same time, because <laughs> it requires an actual commitment to getting something out every week, and that's sort of frightening at the moment. But uh, I'm hoping that it's a good motivator, too. Yeah, I think so. Well, I'm really, I'm really impressed. And uh, I'm, as always, incredibly impressed by your productivity and your ability to do it. Like, I couldn't do anything if I had twins, let alone write eight novels. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. Yeah, I know. Some people say it, like, motivates them really intensely to get everything done. And, like, now I have no time. I really have to focus. Um, But even so, I'm still really impressed. Thank you. So thank you so much for coming on, and we'll have all of these great links in the show notes. This is going to be another another heavy show notes episode, which is great. People love that. So thank you for sharing all that knowledge and for, um, for letting us learn. Sounds good. Thank you, Carolyn. All right. Thank you. We'll have you again. Sounds good. Thank you for listening to the Secret Library Podcast, where we're going deep inside the world of books. You can listen to all episodes on iTunes. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found online at secretlibrarypodcast.com. To stay up to date and hear about future episodes, please subscribe to Footnotes, my newsletter, on the site. 
You can also find out about coaching with me, Caroline, and get book prescriptions and other goodies at carolinedonahue.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please share it with a friend and leave a review on iTunes. Thank you so much, and until next week, happy reading. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash adfreefitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data and massive compute power. But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need. Right. Search HPE GreenLake. Mm-hmm. 